Vitrio Financial is proud to support Improving Alpha, innovation in investing, ESG and technology with Michael Oliver Weinberg. Vitrio helps allocators harness investment complexity to make better allocation decisions. Learn more at vidrio.com. That's V-I-D-R-I-O.com. Hi, this is Michael Oliver Weinberg. We'd like to welcome everyone to the Improving Alpha Innovation in Investing, ESG, and Technology podcast series. Today, Jonathan Grable is kind enough to join us from Lucera, where he's Chief Investment Officer. So listeners have a high-level sense as to our roadmap for today. We'll start with some background color, then discuss how Lucera is improving alpha, touch on the opportunity set in today's markets, and finish with some advice. On that note, welcome, Jonathan. Hi, Michael. It is fantastic to be here with you. I'm, I'm excited about our conversation. Cool. Thank you. Um, yeah, look, if you could start by very briefly sharing with us your background, that would be great. Sure. Uh, thank you uh, once again, Michael. Uh, my background started, you know, after college, I worked in uh, public accounting. I worked for uh, one of the, at the time, the big six public accounting firms. And many of my original clients were private equity firms. I didn't know much about private equity at the time. And I thought what they did was very interesting. So I tried to get a job with one of them. Couldn't. So I went back to business school. And then after business school, I worked in debt merchant banking, which led to uh, an introduction and a relationship with a, a private equity firm based in New York that did um, uh, growth stage, uh, late stage venture, uh, private equity uh, in the uh, digital communication space, specifically service application and equipment companies that touch a digital network. Uh, was there for you know 13 years or so, uh, was a partner of the firm, loved what I did, um, but really decided that I want to do something different. Uh, and I started on what is a fantastic journey, the happiest I've ever been professionally uh, working um, as a public pension plan CIO. I worked in Maryland, uh, New Mexico, and here uh, in Los Angeles County, and think that I'm quite fortunate to have the, the best job in the world. That's great. So maybe it's a good segue to uh... You know, just just sharing with lis listeners a bit what Lacera is, a little bit more about it, and 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 then contextualize that with your current current role, and the objective of the fund, if that's not too much at once. Sure, uh, Lacera, we are, and Lacera stands for the Los Angeles County Employees Retirement Association. Uh, we oversee uh, two pools of capital. One is a traditional defined benefit plan for the close to 190,000 active and retired members, uh, uh, employees who serve Los Angeles County uh, in all different aspects of, 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 of public employment. Uh, and, this, and that pool is about $70 billion, uh, just over $70 billion. You know, the markets, and we can certainly discuss this in, in a li little bit, have been volatile, challenging, uh, uh, so at our peak, we were closer to 75 billion. Uh, when I started five years ago, we were in the 40s. Uh, so the, the plan has grown nicely. Uh, and then the second pool of capital that we oversee here 
is a retiree um, healthcare trust, uh, which provides a retirement healthcare benefits. And uh, Los Angeles County Employees Retirement Asso Association, uh, we are governed by two boards, one board that oversees the retirement uh, operations of the organization, and then a dedicated uh, board of investments. Got it. That's a helpful overview. Um, let's shift gears now to the the primary uh, goal of, of this podcast series, which is, you know, to discuss innovation and improving alpha. Uh, let's start with um, from an investment perspective. I mean, it's it's obviously uh, not not easy, but maybe if you could share a little bit of insight how how you're you're innovating to improve alpha from an investment perspective. Maybe the the most important thing about innovation is starting with you know first principles and you know in some sense keeping it simple, and you know our mission is to provide you know retirement benefits today tomorrow into the future. Uh, and we do that uh, through a combination of, you know, we have employer contributions, employee contributions and investment earnings. Uh, we are a mature pension, uh, which means that benefit payments uh, exceed contributions, uh, which means what we do is, is very hard. It means that in a environment where markets are challenged, our obligations don't get smaller. Uh, our duty to our members doesn't diminish. Uh, in some sense, our job gets harder. So we uh, provide about you know $4 billion a year in benefit payments, uh, contributions, once again, from employees and the employers, about $3 billion a year. And the way that we, we accomplish this very important mission uh, to pay retirement benefits is, you know, it all starts with our strategic asset allocation. Uh, and, and maybe what underlies that is, you know, a very methodical pro uh, process to uh, apportion assets, you know, in accordance with the return and risk expectations of the board. Uh, we do that in accordance with a set of investment beliefs. And one of those investment beliefs, you know, going back to strategic asset allocation, is that that is the uh, principal determinant of of outcomes for us. So, uh, going back to the question of how we navigate through markets, maybe the most important way we navigate through markets is, you know, through uh, strategic asset allocation, you know, by dividing the portfolio between stocks, bonds, real estate. Uh, public markets, private markets, uh, US markets, international markets. Uh, and uh, what we've done, you know, maybe over the last five years or so is we've done a lot with that strategic asset allocation. Uh, we've consolidated asset categories. We had eight asset categories. Now we have four main asset categories and those are growth, credit, real assets and risk reduction. And growth, for example, combines you know, public and private equity as well as non-core real estate. So rather than saying US public equity, international public equity, private equity are three different asset categories, we view them as one. And because they have common characteristics, which is growth, 
And within that growth portfolio, we structure uh, the, our, our portfolio uh, to, to really um, uh, identify the best implementation uh, to get that growth at, uh, with the least risk and the lowest cost where possible. When we talk about ESG, obviously it's become rather polarized in, in the US for, for better or for worse, uh, probably for worse. M many pensions in the US don't have ESG as part of their fiduciary duty. The, the Dutch pension I was at recently did have it as embedded in its fiduciary duty. So um, in some respects that makes it easier, in others it makes it harder. Where, where does Lacera stand on that? Environmental social governance factors are critical to every investment that we make. Uh, we have, uh, and we, you know, have been discussing at Lacera before I got here, but before uh, the the letters E, S, and G uh, stood for, you know, uh, for stewardship or environmental, social, and, and governance, uh, it's a longstanding tradition at Lacera. We are, you know, are an early part of the Council of Institutional Investors. We're an early signatory to uh, the UNPRI, just as a couple of examples. As we have a, on the team here, we have a, a dedicated principal investment officer who reports to me as the CIO, uh, who oversees our, our, our governance work, our stewardship work. And I think that we have a rather elegant way of approaching uh, ESG. We view environmental, social, and governance factors as critical information that can either enhance returns and or mitigate risks. Uh, and they may vary by geography, by investment, uh, by industry. Uh, but nonetheless, ESG considerations um, are a process that is part of every investment. Every new investment has a, an analysis of ESG considerations, uh, we have a manager scorecard for all our uh, uh, existing relationships. And one of the five scores that we give uh, our business partners that's qualitative and, and quantitative and qualitative uh, is an uh, ESG score. So we view it as fundamentally a process as opposed to a product. I think that some of the issues that you may uh, be talking about may be productized um, uh, ESG, where a, a common definition is applied to all. At Lacera, we're focused on, on having information that is right for us, right for our board, uh, right for uh, optimizing our fiduciary duty to our members. And you know, I, I think in, in some sense, you know, when I started investing, it was maybe the investment world was more two-dimensional. You looked at return prospects and risk narrowly defined as volatility. I think maybe we're investing in more of a three-dimensional space where there are other factors uh, that are relevant and can make you a better investor and provide you with more information. And I don't understand why any investor would choose less information. ESG you know, factors just give you more information. What you do with it may vary by plan, but I, any day of the week and twice on Tuesdays, I want more information. 
Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I, I think just to play devil's advocate here, I guess one of the issues may be, you know, for example, rating scores. Um, you know, you have the same company, two different agencies have completely antithetical scores, right? And um and 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 how subjective are they versus how objective and how meaningful are they? So just curious to hear your thoughts on that. And that's the benefit of having a dedicated team focused on stewardship. We've done a lot. I know this is part of, of what your focus is on, you know, that intersection between technology and ESG. Uh, we've done a lot across the portfolio in, in upgrading uh, how we embrace technology, data. Uh, we look at everything from a total fund perspective, as well as underlying sleeves, as well as underlying investments. And uh, part of that is having uh, various sources of ESG information, ratings. And uh, so it provides you know, insight into what we do. I don't think that there's any one view that may be definitive, uh, but that is where, from a Lacera perspective, maybe the most important resource we have to get the best outcomes of our financial capital is human capital. And having, you know, what, what I believe is superior human capital uh, allows us to, to really evaluate uh, that data and use it in the way that's net additive to Lacera. And a, a couple of examples that may be helpful in terms of, of, of what we've done, I've mentioned are, you know, for every new investment, we uh, assign an ESG, we do an ESG analysis. Uh, for uh, we have a rating that we have uh, in our manager scorecard, but we also elevated our strategic asset allocation in, uh, I think 2020 was the last time we updated our strategic asset allocation or started the process. And uh, we sensitized our capital market assumptions to include, uh, to make them climate aware where we adjusted return expectations, changed the, uh, the volatility uh, such that our analysis was more climate aware. So I, I think that, that there's information out there and then how you make that information, you know, your information, I think is, is how we're trying to, to elevate our program here. And do you have a view on uh, exclusion versus engagement? I'm a huge proponent of engagement. Uh, not not really big on exclusion personally, but curious if you have a view. Uh, our philosophy is engagement. You know, we and one example of that is uh, five years ago or so, uh, we only voted about ten percent of our proxies. That the balance were were outsourced to you know our, our business partners. Uh, over the last five years, we've insourced it. So we've flipped those numbers around. We now vote over 90% of our global proxies ourselves based upon our own proprietary rules. And implicit in that is the, the premise of engagement. Uh, you know, we uh, publish uh, our proxy trends on our website. We have a dedicated, and this may go back to you know, how we view ESG, but we have a dedicated board committee on governance in addition to dedicated staff, which I think also elevates our discussion, or maybe that's for staff to elevate its discussion. Uh, we um, publish a annual stewardship report 
which talks about many of the ways we uh, engage various companies, um, how we amplify our voice with uh, peer plans, peer institutional investors, as well as um, uh, working with organizations um, such as, you know, SASB, you know, and, and you know, organizations such as that uh, to really try to uh, come up with standards and and raise the the total discourse. That sounds great. Yeah, that that sounds like it's right on track. Um, and then in, anything you want to add from a technology perspective, you sort of touched on it a few times in terms of the scorecard and 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 the asset strategic asset allocation. But any, anything you want to add from an innovation and proving alpha perspective? We've you know upped our game significantly, and once again, that's based upon you know, being you know, pushed by the board and having the right talent here, uh, we have moved from having a monthly close to now we have a daily nav of the portfolio. And I think that has done a tremendous amount to help us better rebalance the portfolio. Uh, you know, we've implemented a cash overlay, which helps us rebalance on a daily basis to, uh, to use excess cash to the most underweight asset category. We also use the cash overlay to uh, take away uh, in our global equity book uh, overweights to different geographies and, uh, and market capitalizations. So that's an application of technology. Uh, but much like we have a dedicated stewardship team, uh, we have a dedicated portfolio analytics team, which works with all of our uh, discrete asset categories uh, to to have provide better data uh, to the team, to the team that's underwriting investments, uh, to the board uh, when we provide information to them. And I think one of the uh, the great examples of I think how we're really capturing all this data is we have you know once a quarter a quarterly performance review driven by the staff, where we look at the entirety of the portfolio, starting with uh, the, the total fund level, looking at um, our risk exposures, looking at uh, you know, our, our, our carbon footprint, for example. And then we go through our functional categories, such as growth that I mentioned before. Yep. Uh, and then each team uh, presents key observations from the prior quarter, uh, you don't really want that recency bias, but from the, the prior quarter, uh, based upon the, the more granular data we now have uh, of the portfolio. And I think one way that it's helped us is, you know, when we make a private equity commitment, for example, that obviously is, is a blind pool. Uh, but having better technology enables us to identify, you know, what our total exposure is to an industry, a geography, um, uh, and uh, it 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 makes the decisions that that are made that much more intentional. And the the greater the intentionality, going back to our ultimate mission to our members, I think that that leads to. Uh, better processes, which I believe leads to better outcomes. 
All right, let's um, get a little more granular. And, and anything super interesting on the investment side now? Um, or, or what's the, if not the best, a super interesting where either you're increasing your strategic or tactical asset allocation to, or you know, you see the market dislocation to have created a material opportunity? Yeah, I'll answer it in, in two ways. First, I would say is more um, kind of an implementation uh, through that type of lens is we've, and this is consistent with our strategic plan, which is called allocator to best in class investor. And one of the dimensions of that plan uh, relates to our business model. And we've been doing much more in terms of co-investment. Uh, we've brought that in-house. Uh, or this year that it's in front of the board next month, uh, I think our recommendation is about 30% or so of our private annual private equity commitment will be for co-investments and secondaries. And since we brought that in-house in 2019 or so, our, our co-investment program has outperformed our private equity book as a whole by you know about 2000 basis points so and it's on a, a meaningful amount of capital so i would say that from an implementation perspective and this goes back to you know our discussion about um, intentionality we're that much more intentional uh and i think that thus far now it, it's it's early but i think thus far it, it's paying dividends for our members and Thank we've you expanded co-investments from private equity. We recently made uh, two uh, co-investments in real assets. We just did uh, over the last year, our first uh, secondary investment in agriculture. You know, there's nothing better than uh, being a, a provider of capital when they're motivated sellers. I think that's one of the benefit to, once again, going back to technology, to the extent you have better insight into your portfolio, better understand cash positions uh, and liquidity profiles, you can be a provider of capital. And fundamentally, that's good investing. The second aspect are some exciting tech uh, sectors. We've seen a lot recently uh, in energy transition. Now, there's a lot talking about of, of maybe overhype, but fundamentally, there's some tremendous opportunity and, and I'll highlight one area, which is for the energy transition, there's a critical need for key resources, for key minerals. And we have, have made a recent commitment in that area, which is quite attractive. We've also another area, we have a new emerging manager program in illiquid credit. Uh, we just made a commitment to a, a music royalty manager, uh, which is a, a really interesting uh, opportunity. So those are some of the areas. You know, I, I think that that there are other areas. Once again, in terms of in a challenging market environment, we're trying to you know maybe not play small ball, but to make sure that we reduce inefficiencies. One of those is that I think we're structuring investments better than ever. We're doing more through separate accounts. Uh, we're where we get better fee terms, uh, uh, lower fees. 
And we're also, through our Emerging Manager Program, we've helped seed uh, some firms and we have some rev share relationships with those firms. So I think that's, you know, on the more innovative side uh, and things where we can identify return streams that, that heretofore we haven't. Yeah, that, that, a lot of that sounds great. Um, rare earth materials, seeding, uh, something I've been doing for almost 20 years. Yeah. Um, it's, it's certainly become a lot more balkanized now with, with, uh, and asset owners like yourself doing seeding, whereas, you know, 20 years ago, it was, there were a handful of firms that were primarily seeding. Um, very sensible though. Uh, it's a great revenue stream to add on top of the funds return stream. Um, but look, we could talk about your, those investments in yours for hours, but we, we, we're going to sort of keep it to a brief time. So, um, let's, let's talk about, um, what challenges do you face in, in terms of achieving your goals and generating the returns for the beneficiaries and investing and implementing this strategic asset allocation? Oh, the challenges, challenges. Uh, I, I think that the challenges are, you know, turning on the news and just seeing the environment that we're in, uh, where maybe it's a lower growth, higher inflationary environment uh, with a rising cost of capital. I think there are very few investors who have invested with that paradigm. It's, it's a shifting or maybe shifted paradigm. And uh, most of us have invested you know, over the last 40 years with declining cost of capital. And uh, that makes investing much easier. So I would say part of the challenge is a people challenge given lack of experience or maybe overconfidence based upon uh, the factors that led to you know prior success may be less relevant. Um, and then the other is the interplay between asset categories uh, to the extent um, financing is that much more expensive that impacts many private asset categories. So I think that's a challenge. Uh, and uh, there, there also maybe the challenge just relates to fund flows to the extent, you know, Lacera, our threshold return is, you know, 7%. And, you know, you could, you know, look in the Bloomberg and see that the two-year treasury is at that, that 7% nominal. And then you see on the Bloomberg that the U.S. two-year is at 4.5%. Well, I think that that may shift not just at Lacera, but across portfolios, the apportionment between, you know, risky and less risky assets, safer assets and more complex assets. And, and maybe there, in some sense, will be this desire to, you know, embrace complexity uh, and, and maybe some pushes not to embrace complexity. And, and once again, recognizing uh, uh, time limits, I, I would say that one other area of complexity or challenge relates are geographic in the sense that we've been investing uh, for 75 plus years in an increasingly global economy, increasingly global capital markets. And I think that there's greater friction uh, to the, the flow of capital. So I think that that is the implications, you know, may not be known. I, yeah, I, I completely agree. What's a red flag with a manager such that you wouldn't invest? What's a red flag? I would yeah. say that 
a red flag is too much confidence. Uh, I think that there needs to be humility. Uh, we believe in teams. I think that uh, when you talk to a prospective business partner and everything is single threaded through one person, that's not that that's a red flag. Uh, and I think that part of that touches on the importance of a diversity, equity, inclusion, that fundamentally diverse, inclusive, equitable teams outperform. So I think that uh, that that our analysis of DEI considerations, which is under the banner of Lacera Tide, I think that that would probably flag uh, some of those concerns. Uh, I think that is a, uh, you know, really a, a big concern for us is um, kind of a, a, a team that's an individual. We, we really believe in, in backing uh, teams with, you know, multiple forms of redundancy and teams that uh, avoid groupthink. Understood. Yeah. So hubris and um, one man bands effectively or one woman or one person bands avoid them. Got it. Uh, sensible. Um, and then um, what's a material mistake you've made investing and in NOS and learn? Always oh, a material one. mistake. I don't want to. Uh, or a lesson learned. Identify, uh, even though it's really important to, to acknowledge mistakes. I, I think that that mistakes are a, an opportunity to grow and learn. I think making the same mistake twice is that's the mistake. Uh, I would say that I learned a lot throughout my career by trying to uh, to be a prudent consumer of people that were positive and negative mentors, so to speak, where I, I look to embrace everything that challenged me, that taught me, and and try to uh, disregard things that diminished me or uh, didn't really inspire me to, to, to be my best. So I would say that that maybe the most critical lesson I learned throughout my career from maybe having witnessed mistakes is the importance of, of teaching, being a mentor, and empowering those around you to, to really optimize outcomes for themselves and that optimizes outcomes, you know, as fiduciary, optimize outcomes for themselves as fiduciaries, but, but that positions them and us as an organization to, to really win uh, for our members. I think that's sensible. Um, do you have a favorite book or a book you've read recently that you'd recommend to our listeners? Oh, I just read, I, I try to read a lot. And uh, the secret to reading a lot is putting stuff down that's not working. And so I try to, to rotate between kind of bad fiction and uh, nonfiction. I'm a big fan of, of, of reading history, both historical fiction, uh, as well as uh, you know, biographies. I, but I just read, um, oh, the end of the world is just the beginning. And I thought that that was an interesting read. I, someone else just recommended that to me last week and as well as the other books by that author. Um, yeah. So I have them on my list as well. What advice do you have for uh, other allocators and, and or investors aside oh. from the aside from the mentorship that you discussed a few minutes ago in, in sort of lessons learned? 
Yeah, I think it's just be humble. I, I think to the extent that anybody that professes, I mean, investing fundamentally is about a future state. None of us that I know of are clairvoyant and can accurately, consistently predict that future state. So acknowledge that as an investor uh, and uh, be humble, uh, be open uh, to a variety of viewpoints and seek as much input as possible. Uh, focus on process. And I think that that leads to the best outcomes. Yeah. I, and that ties into your earlier statements on not being hubristic. And, and, and when I was a portfolio manager at, at, at Soros for, for George Soros, you know, one of his premises was always infallibility, that he's not infallible and that he would always, um, you know, take in new information. And if the new information proved him wrong, then he would change his investment accordingly on, on the drop of a dime effectively. And I, I think that's quite sensible. Better um, said last, than how I said it. What you said, though, was also a good segue into my last question, which is what didn't we discuss that I should have asked you or you're, you're discussing with other investors? Anything we missed here or that you'd like to share or? Uh, this is a you know uh, great discussion. You know, as, as I started out, I absolutely love what I do, and what I and this may go back to the question about advice for other allocators um, is every day should be different. You, know, you should build upon that from the knowledge from the prior day, but every day should be different and should be the best yet. So. In terms of what we haven't discussed, I think that we've talked about a lot, and I think that we've hit on a, a, a lot of, of, of high points uh, that embrace the low points that, that it's such a challenging environment. Uh, but I, I think, and maybe this is my sales pitch for anyone that's, that's looking to work in public pensions is work in public pensions. It's a great opportunity. Nice. All right. On that on that cheerful note, um, look, thanks for uh, the superbly interesting discussion, sharing your most valuable asset with us, your time. Uh, and we hope listeners uh, have a better appreciation of how one of the world's most sophisticated asset owners uh, is, is, is innovating in investing ESG and technology. Uh, this is your host, Michael Oliver Weinberg, hoping you join us again for our next episode where I'll speak with another thought leader who will provide insight into improving alpha via innovation. Until then, stay well, and thank you. Thank you for listening to Improving Alpha, innovation in investing, ESG, and technology, sponsored by Vidrio Financial. With Vidrio Financial, asset managers, endowments and foundations, pensions, family offices, insurance plans, and sovereign wealth funds can cut through the complexity of asset allocation to reduce costs, mitigate portfolio risk, optimize compliance controls, and improve performance analytics. Interested to learn more? Contact us today at vidrio.com. That's V-I-D-R-I-O.com. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Vidrio Financial and or our host, Michael Oliver Weinberg. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding investment planning.